Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. Former Arkansas Razorback baseball player Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Kylie Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell Sarah Spain. D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell State. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. A Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome in to episode two, one, two of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services studios. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Kevin Bohannon and Porter Hayes. And whether you're listening on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate you coming to hang out with us. If you're on one of the forums, please hit that subscribe button if you have not already. And if you're on Apple Podcast. Be sure and leave us a five-star rating and written review. Let us know how we're doing and help us continue to get our name out there and reach more people. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online. Football season is back, and as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for both pro and college football. Get the updated odds, props, and contests, including Bet Online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survival contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up to day and receive your 100% bonus off your first deposit and take advantage finally of their open day opening day super promo which means you make a bet on September 9th for the season opener between the Bucks and Cowboys and if you lose your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up using code NFL100 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online your online sportsbook experts got another loaded show for you today we've got the Arkansas Rice recap and in the final segment Hooten's Arkansas Football's Barry Grooms joins us for week 1 recap of high school football technically week 2 but we've already gone through that whole fiasco of week 0 so we'll save you that but guys it feels like it's been years since all three of us have been together um i guess it's technically been over a month but glad to be back on our regular schedule of mondays and fridays and one format we're going to try to keep consistent is fridays will mainly be dedicated to the preview of that week's game with a media member or former player possibly just whatever we can get our hands on uh, from the opposing team, and then on Mondays, recap those games along with recaps of high school football from that week. And so we feel like our high school, co- you know, on top of uh, Cabo's baseball coverage on pretty much all levels, Porter's coverage with women's basketball and women's sports has gotten some pretty good traction. So we want to give you guys a mixed variety and continue to be different than w- th- some of the stuff that you're used to, whether it be on podcast or radio shows and all that good stuff. And so, Kevin, I know it has been a couple of weeks now since you were officially announced, but speaking of high school football you've taken a promotion of some sorts at the buzz joining barry grooms our guest later on and randy rainwater double r on the ortho arkansas postgame show so wanted to start off by wishing you a very big congrats on that i appreciate it yeah it's been a lot of fun 
getting to still be around the game of football. And, you know, it's like I told Randy and Rick um, when, when we announced it on the buzz during my Wednesday segment that, you know, I grew up around this game, got to be a ball boy with my dad, experience a lot of cool things, travel around the state, getting to learn football from some great coaches that you interviewed on the Gridiron Icons, you know, Frank McClellan, um, Mike Adams, uh, Mike Malham. It's just been a lot of fun to get to, fi- you know, give back. I've been officiating the last six or seven years. And when Randy approached me last year, he was like, hey, let's just transition to football. Um, and you could be our insider there. And we gave it, gave it a run, got to really connect with some players around the state and really find out how much talent is in Arkansas. And I know, Kyle, you and I agree on the fact that Joe Hyman is – one of the most electric all-purpose backs that has been through this state in a long time. And just getting to find out stories like that has really been big. So, yeah, this year uh, getting to co-host the the Ortho Arkansas High School football scoreboard show on Friday nights is a lot of fun. It uh, just adds to what we're doing here at Hog Talk, uh, being able to bring great content, uh, just not just the Razorbacks, but outside and getting to talk sports with, with all of our listeners. Well, and on top of that, I mean, all three of us have played sports in Arkansas, and we grew up listening to Drive Time Sports and the post game and the Sonic Blast. So, just how cool is that? Now you get to join the legend and Randy Rainwater and Rick Schaefer, you know, on a weekly basis and and do this post game show. Yeah, it, it, you kind of got to pinch yourself sometimes because you're sitting there with royalty, and and I and I told Randy, that, and the thing is, they are so humble about it. You know, Randy and Rick have been doing this together for 19 years. And then, of course, Rick, being the former SID at the University of Arkansas, how much knowledge and history that, that he has is, a, is just amazing. I know he doesn't like the word, term unbelievable, but it, it's really cool to get to just sit and talk sports with him and find out just what little nuggets and trinkets of knowledge can come out of him is, is awesome. And then just Randy, he's been the, the godfather when you think of the godfather of high school sports, you put him up there with Sully uh, and the, those guys. It's just really awesome to have those relationships and learn from them. That's the biggest thing, getting to learn from these guys so, you know, myself can be a, a better person in, in terms of uh, delivering the news, so to speak. Yeah, that's how it is for me is, is you know, us three to just a random person, like let's say a coworker, for instance, I'll be at the office and people will tell me, you know, like your knowledge of football in particular, just the things that, you know, the stats, you know, the old players is just pretty incredible. Or like you said, Kevin, uh, Rick doesn't like the word unbelievable, but compared to Rick Schaefer and guys like Bob Holt, Randy Rainwater, some of the guys that have been around for 30, 40 plus years, we know just a, a tiny nugget of what those guys have in their brains and uh, I mean you know I think all three of us are are pretty good especially with Arkansas high school football history Razorback history Uh, I don't remember the name of the book I've actually got it somewhere behind me where I'm sitting right now but uh, that Rick wrote on Arkansas it's probably something just basically like something along the history of Razorback football Um, but it's that really big one I know Jacob actually sent it to our group text he got it for Christmas either last year or the year before but uh, but yeah, it is just an honor to be, you know, uh, to be on ESPN Arkansas at brought this time last year. That was an honor to be on that network and now be on the buzz, you know, to have our content on the top two radio networks in the state and to now have our 
content ran on 1067 the buzz uh is it, just it's really a dream come true for me because you know i've i've had people that are silly tell me that you know oh, you're going to be working for espn or you're going to be doing this or one day uh, that's that's mainly my mom that tells me that not just some random person <laughs> on the street yeah but i, I want this i'm doing exactly what i want to do now uh you know with you exactly. guys and, and uh, I, I want to cover arkansas I, I want to cover high school football in the state of Arkansas. You know, I love doing stuff for the Razorbacks. I love to follow Arkansas State. I love to follow UCA. Um, that's exactly what I want to do. You know, you hear Sam Pittman talk about it. He has his dream job. Mike Neighbors talking about even when he was at at Wazoo or not Wazoo, Washington, that even in his introductory press conference, he had said that his dream job is Arkansas, and that's exactly where it is uh, for me. Whether this is a hobby, whether regardless of what it is, you know, I, I am thankful. I was blessed as a player to get forty Friday nights as a football player, and I am beyond just can't even put into words how blessed I feel uh, to uh, to be able to cover it now Friday nights, and hopefully uh, get that opportunity to do it for a long time, and so. Um, you know, definitely had to take some time now that we're back all together. And, you know, it's the beginning of football season to uh, express our gratitude for the things that we are able to do. But let's get right into it, guys. You know, I know that there was plenty of mixed feelings on Arkansas's game with Rice. It was a weather underwhel- a rather underwhelming game. But to me, I think you guys would agree that there is no such thing as a bad win. It, it doesn't look or at least if you watch the game, it doesn't quite it did not quite look as good as the final score was, thirty-eight to seventeen. But there's plenty of stuff to clean up before Texas comes to town and we play on primetime on ESPN. But uh, you know, I'll get Porter, I'll start with you. You know, what were your overall takes? You know, we were down ten to seven at the half. Uh, what do you think about this team just from one game that we have seen so far and how things went from the first to the second half? The biggest thing is the game's played in two halves. You know, you're you're coming off a year where you, you didn't you had a three and seven year. You didn't get a full season. You had to play an SEC conference. You just now got your real first, you know, fall camp. And and you know, Sam Pittman said it. There was a lot of guys that got banged up. You know, you look at you know Traylon Burks. You know, not he didn't even know if he was going to play until the day of or the day before. So I mean, you're coming into a game against Rice that's no pushover. You're you're not playing a nickel state. You're not playing UAPB. You're you're playing Rice that had an upset last year over Marshall. We knew it was going to be a tough challenge for them, but they they did what we said they needed to do. You take care of business. Yes, the first half was was a rocky start, but the the biggest thing, and I've said this a couple of times in our group chat, is we actually have a team and, and a coaching staff that can make halftime adjustments. And for them to come out and score 31 points in the second half, totally take over the game, dominate like they're supposed to, you, you take that first half, and yes, there was some concerning things because when you play against a team like Texas or an SEC schedule, you really can't get in that hole playing against you know Power Five or you know teams. But they did it. You know they come out in the second half, put up some good numbers. KJ turned it around and 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 won 38-17. So. From a game one aspect, you really can't ask for anything other than they got the win and they done it in, in a deciding factor in the second half. And I'm just going to say this. We knew this could happen. Kyle, you and I were, were probably as far – I know you picked 28-20. to 20. I was really conservative too in, in where we were at 31-17. But we knew this would probably happen just based on what we've seen in the past – some unanswered questions. We that was the worst game Traylon Burks I've ever seen him play. And Trey Biddy said it on his walk and talk. 
that'll probably be the worst game. Why? Because he's out of shape. He hadn't practiced in two weeks. He was in a boot, went through a light workout Wednesday, uh, walked through on Thursday, and back in the boot on Friday, just, you know, for to get healed, get better. So is he going to be at 100%? Probably not this year. No, no football player in the SEC is going to be at 100% for the rest of the year. They'll be really close to it, you know, in, in terms of being able to play the game, but let's just, you know, See, take that for what it is. Well, and take the heat and humidity on top of that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 100%, 100% humidity. humidity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, 100% humidity. Yeah. You know, when you're playing in those conditions, and we saw it, hey, kudos to our strength and conditioning staff because mm-hmm. Rice were dropping like owls. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> All right, I know. Actually, that, well, that had to have been a pun intended. God, y'all got it two. It was. Of, where's a buzzer? <laughs> I, I still have that thing on here. <laughs> So yeah, we, we saw we didn't have the guys go out, with, go out with cramps, or maybe they did on the sideline between series. They didn't want to stop the game, but yeah, we did come back in the second half. But I've been told by coaches that I've played for at every level, and especially Jim Withrow, the head coach at Hall, who coached me in high school and, and at Sylvan Hills. I got to coach with him. We didn't see anything we couldn't correct, and that's the biggest thing. There's things we need to clean up, but they are correctable. So. Yeah, we need to correct them really quick because we got Texas coming to town next week. It's going to be a game against a ranked team. It could be a really big resume win for Sam Pittman, but more so for the program and what we're going to do to take the next step and be that team. So, um, yeah, we get to correct the mistakes, clean it up, and I know we'll talk more about it as we break it down. No, I'm with you guys. I, I think that the heat certainly was a factor. That's something that uh, Aaron Weatherford and I talked about last week in, in terms of when we were doing a high school week zero breakdown, that it typically takes about two to three, maybe even four games to get in game shape, particularly because of the heat, but also you just can't really replicate, even in a scrimmage, you can't really replicate playing for 48 minutes in high school or 60 minutes in college until you actually do it. But I do agree with you guys totally on, look, I'm not necessarily worried about the fact that K.J. Jefferson had seven passing yards in the first quarter. I'm not necessarily worried about that we were down 10-7 to seven or that, that um, you know, Traylon Burks and Davion Warren, one of them coming off, like you said, Cabo, he was – Traylon just really wasn't in game shape because he hasn't been practicing a lot, and none of them are in game shape, and Davion Warren coming off a huge injury, being the ACL that he toured last year. I'm terrified with special teams. I think that a lot of people came into this season feeling that way. I have backed Scott Fountain all offseason talking about when you look at a salesman throughout their entire, you know, not career, but their, but one year, one calendar year, and they have a great January through November, but then they fall flat on their face in December, right at the end of the year, you get complacent because you've had a good year. I'm not saying he got complacent last year. I think that part of it had to do that he had freaking fourth and fifth stringers on special teams because you were out with COVID and you just really didn't have a ton of talent. You still are working on building your team through recruiting in the transfer portal. But it is after what we saw against Rice, it's becoming increasingly hard for me to back him. I'm not going to just completely give up after one game, but the way that punt got blocked. Now, there were some good things that we saw. I really think that Cameron Little is going to be a really good kicker for us. Hopefully, he's uh, at least close to. I don't. It's going to be very tough to be to do this to live up to Steve Little, but hopefully, he's not the only Little that has a very successful career in a Razorback uniform. But this is something Porter and I, Cable, before you jumped on before we began recording. One thing that concerns me about the Texas game is I feel like that we can clean up some things offensively 
KJ can kind of clean up his throwing mechanics and we can throw the ball well. I think that Traylon Smith and, and Rocket Sanders are going to do fine running the ball. I think our def- you know, we're going to lose bumper pull for the first half of Texas. But I still think that our defense is going to be fine too. What really concerns me is we're either up by seven, down by seven, something along those lines, and then we get a punt blocked or we give up a kick return for a touchdown or a punt return for a touchdown. Because I can't say fully, I didn't going into the season, I can't say that I trust our special teams really in any scenario right now. I, I remember the Houston nut days where you hardly had to worry. You didn't even think about special teams that much, maybe with kicking. Uh, but but every other regard, in terms of punt and kick coverage and, and being able to block for our punter, you never really worried about that until we got to the Chad Morris days. And now it has been a concern over the last four or five years, whatever it is, and that is what really, really concerns me in this Texas game. Why can we not go back to the days of having seven guys on the line, two gunners, protector, and a punter? And, you know, if you break it down and look at the whole, the special teams as a whole, okay, Darius Bishop fumbled on the opening kickoff. He did have a 42-yard return later in the game. So that's kind of a wash. I consider the return game a wash. Greg Brooks had a return, and that was the emphasis in the uh, preseason and fall camp. We're going to have somebody in the return game that can be dynamic. That's still yet to see, so the jury is still out on that. Kickoffs in the end zone, great job by uh, Vito. He got the ball in the end zone, six touchbacks. Love to see that. I think Sully pointed it out yesterday. It was good to see. Uh, we're, we're not actually giving up the home run threat. We're actually getting the ball in the end zone and making them drive 75 yards. So that was that was a plus. Cam Little, I think he, he, he kicks the ball with authority. He, it, it doesn't matter if it's 34 yards. He's going to kick it like it's 60. That ball went through the uprights, and bam, it was good. So we got a lot to look forward to on that. Hopefully, like you said, Kyle, he's he's consistent. Uh, not on, If he can get the Steve level stat, status, great. So, But why can we not block? And, and on the punt team, we have naturally generated holes by the way we line up. It's got to be an exotic formation or something. Just get two, three-foot splits, block your gap, and go from there. It's not like they're doing anything crazy. And plus, when we were on their end of the field, 41-yard line, fourth and one, second half, didn't go for it, they had three guys on the line. If we have a quick audible to a punt fake, we run for days. I We probably snapped it to the punter, and he ran and got a yard from 13 yards back. That's the kind of stuff that we have got to figure out and for the life of me, I can't figure out right now why that stuff is not in our playbook. That drives me up a wall. I'm sitting there, run the fake, run the fake, run the fake. Well, they probably don't have it in right now because it would just cause too much trouble or make somebody's head explode. So well, that, that, that was a – yeah, go ahead, Porter. That was the point well, a lot of it, too, is just in coaching nowadays, they probably don't want to tip their hand. And, and that's where you can't be scared of a next week's game. You're, you're If you're – scared of tipping your hand of running a fake you're worried well texas is going to see that now they're going to know what to look for better have more than the opportunity to do it exactly you if you got the opportunity to do that hey that helps you execute so guess what next week when you do try it if you don't execute it well now you're it's going to blow up in your face and that's going to dig yourself in a, a bigger hole when you come to scott fountain you know last year we gave him a pass because he didn't have the depth he didn't have the depth now you have the depth and, and I was another fact we were talking about the execution and, and the conditioning. They actually had true depth where they could wear a team down like they did Rice. 
and then with it comes to back to the special teams, you know, that kicker, you know, he's kicking a 30-yard field goal like he's kicking a six. You get that muscle memory, and you get that confidence. Whether you're lining up for a 25-yarder or a 45-yarder, you're going to put it through the uprights because you're doing the same kick over and over. You're not just trying to chip it in from 25. You're trying to kick it like it's a 45-yarder. That's very – it's like a three-point shooter. You're using the same motion, same muscle memory, and the effort, and you're going to be a better field goal kicker by doing so. Well, and you got to think about, too, just kind of switching back over to the defense there. With bumper pull out, he was – I think he had 11 tackles yesterday. Um, it's either – 14. So, so, he had 14. Jalen Catalan yeah. had 11. So, bumper was yeah. the – was our guy on defense. Jalen had an inter- – actually had two interceptions. And then uh, Busta Brown also had one. I was, Great pick. I, I would – yeah, and I would, I would say – venture to say that you're probably not going to have that happen again. But then you look at – the early season last year, it was like 14 turnovers in five or six games. It was like the first half of the season, something like that. Most of those being, I think it was seven actually, against Ole Miss. And so you would think that that wouldn't happen again next week, but you never know. This is a really good secondary. Jalen Catalan, that's one guy that you never want to say never with. In particular, I, I really like Mo Brown. Ladarius Bishop was a little bit of a uh, – Yeah, I, I would got to get that, more consistent. Yeah, he does. He has to be more consistent. I, I – I, you know, he fumbled the opening kickoff there. And so I'm not necessarily saying that he's a really bad return or anything, but you can't have stuff like that happen. Just another special teams miscue. But Andrew Parker did a pretty good job in place of Grant Morgan. So it's good that you have him. You at least have him and Hayden Henry. It's crazy that all three of your linebackers were in some form kicked out of the rice game. Hayden Henry. Now, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even I realize didn't that. Yeah. that that you could be that, – that next season would come – that would overlap, I guess, to – the following yeah. season i had no idea yeah. and so yeah basically, i just didn't remember it yeah and I, I didn't either and i don't think most people did and when they were talking about that the, because i think that the the announcer first said that he suspended for the first half i'm like well what do he do i know that he's had injury problems but i didn't know he actually got in any trouble turns out yeah. he had had a targeting penalty from the penalty from the alabama game and look i understand that bumpers was definitely debatable but you have got to know Grant and Bumper. But, and I understand, look, Cabo, you were talking about what a stupid rule it was, and I completely agree with that. I, I couldn't agree yeah. with anything more that you said. But the fact of the matter is, is you look at Jalen's last year, and there's probably one or two of those. I think, he got eject, I think he got ejected from three games last year. I know it was two. And there were some, and especially, uh, was it Nick Bolton from Missouri that that one was just, man, if you're a Missouri fan, you know that you were fuming about that one because I didn't really see that one personally. Yeah, it was, being, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not at all, yeah. but you just the way that that bumper and Grant went for those. You just have to know that you cannot put your head like that. And I know that with bumpers, the receiver was falling. It, look, we can debate about it all day, but especially Grant's, you have to know better than that. And it's good that we at least get him back for the the whole Texas game, assuming that that doesn't happen again. But you gotta you gotta know that right now, Steve Sarkeesian and his offensive genius mind is looking at ways. Okay, look, Bumper Pool was their defensive stud, one of their few studs, I guess, between Jalen and Mo Brown. And we had some good, pretty decent play on the on the interior as well. On the defensive line, I really I mean, I guess we didn't have a ton of chances to get a massive pass rush because they did run the ball a lot, but still like some things that we saw there. It's good to have depth. But you know that Steve Sarkeesian and his genius ways are looking at, okay, how are we going to utilize this with Bumper Pool not playing the first half? No doubt. And that that's the big thing. Like you said, he, he's got his genius, so they're going to figure out uh, whether it be crossing routes, tight end. And Barry Odom has to know that. So it's going to be a chess match early in the game. 
And whether Sarkeesian comes out, scripts his plays, or he just goes attack right away. So, yeah, that's going to be the, the big chess match that we're going to be looking at early on. But, yeah, the the interior line, they had 39 rushes, 81 yards. Yeah, that's a little over two a carry, which I was in, impressed by because uh, we were without Ridgeway, who I think is going to play a big part. I was really impressed with Trey Williams, Utsi. And how great was it, guys, to see wholesale substitutions four and four? And you saw it all game long on the defensive line. They were – Taking, bringing four in, taking four out, and they got to rotate to keep those guys fresh. That's going to bode well for us later on in the season. Well, another thing you got to think about the, the field position that Rice was given in that first half, and for Arkansas to only give up ten points. I mean, that's yeah, shows no shows how good they were. I mean, could, they could have been easily a twenty-one point game. But another thing I want to talk about, like the game plan for next week. You don't think Sark ain't looking at Arkansas's defense and seeing how prone they are to, for the targeting calls with Catalan and, and, and Morgan. You know, they're going to be telling their guys, look, if we throw these slants and these quick passes, those guys are going to try to come in with their head and low. So they're going to be looking at that, you know, in their game planning. Yeah, yeah you got to see what you hit. Yeah, yeah that's the big thing. You got to see what you hit. For sure. And and that's also something that Sark's going to say, like, hey, you got to be willing to take a smack from Catalan or a smack from Grant Morgan in, in order for them to possibly be lost <laughs> for the game. That's what I would imagine he's telling them something like that. You know, in today's world, we don't really know how much these guys want to take a hit, but, you know, the way it's come. But that's a different story for a different day. But offensively, I liked what we saw from Rocket Sanders. And I, I kind of hope that Dominique Johnson gets a few more carries. I think he was like four – carries for 26 yards something like that um or no actually he did have a loss maybe but it was uh, i just saw it here four of 16 i was thinking that it was he had eclipsed the 20 something could be on uh on those four carries but rocket sanders only got two carries in the first half and so did pretty well he had averaged about 6.2 6.3 yards a carry and so this is a guy that has been extremely highly touted i know that probably right now i would i can't speak for him or speak for the coaching staff but i would think that with him transitioning to running back in college that ball security might be a concern um not to say that he's fumbled in practice or anything like that but it's natural when you go from playing high school football to sec football p5 football whatever that that could possibly be a cause for concern but i I liked what we saw from Traylon smith he looks kind of small but still can run really well had over 100 yards on 22 carries uh, averaged just under five yards a pop and then had a score but Got to continue to get Traylon or uh, KJ Jefferson involved in the run game. Saw what he could do. Now that was a uh, total. I thought that that was a BS call on Keytron Jackson. I know his hands were a little bit outside, but that he was blocking his butt off. And that's one thing that these receivers do. They don't just try yeah. to catch passes. They are they are very good at blocking down the field. And that should have been another touchdown for KJ Jefferson. But you definitely can't question what he was able to do in the run game, uh, especially on those two touchdowns that he had. Yeah, and, and when it comes to that running back depth, you know, being able to rely on two or three guys that can get you three, four yards of carry and, and get that push, I mean, that sets the tone for the passing game. You know, and we we're talking about, you know, Burks early, you know, that's going to be a big key. That just shows how a slow start can get a quarterback when you don't have that go-to guy that you can, you know, get your passing game in rhythm and have that person like Burks to throw to. I mean, that just sets up everything – in the long run. So for him to have Burks back 100% for next week's game, and that really helps get that passing game, it, it might lead to, you know, not getting off to such a slow start. But, yeah, Rocket Sanders and Smith and, and getting K.J. Jefferson to sit there and get that running game going, that's just going to help. You know, we relied on Felipe Franks last year so much to get those third and eight conversions, to get those running yards. And now you can 
show up in the th- third and four, third and three situations. And another thing with the defense, how many times do we preach third down stops, third down stops? Boy, I mean, they did really good when it came to the third down conversions and getting those big stops when they needed it against Rice. Yeah, and Kyle talked about ball security for Rocket Sanders. we got to remember, he's only been playing running back for a few weeks now, and he came in as an athlete. I know he went through spring drills. He was kind of dinged up. But I think we're going to see more and more of him. Uh, Traylon Smith showed that he could carry the ball 20-plus times. Love getting KJ involved more in the running game. Um, and I think we, I, I would be good with, uh, you know, 50 rushes a game and 25 passes a game if we're going to run 75 plays. I know we ran 64 yesterday. Uh, Got to take care of the drops. Uh, I know Davion Warren yesterday, Burks had a couple. That's something you're not going to see here later on in the year. Um, own, own the running game. Be, be a spread option team if you have to uh, and, and mix in the passing game. So, uh, yeah, I, I like your point, Porter, of, you know, you got to have guys involved, and uh, and I want to give a shout out to my man Tyson Morris. I know I've said on here before that I uh, don't know why he's even still coming back, but you know, three catches, forty-two yards in the in the pass reception touchdown yesterday. Uh, great for him. Hope to see him more involved this year. So uh, get those guys to step up, those freshmen, and I think we're going to be even more dynamic going down the stretch. So we'll preview this uh, more of this Texas game coming up on uh, Saturday again in prime time on ESPN six p.m. SEC. Uh, what's the SEC Nation? I was almost going to say SEC country. Yeah. SEC Nation will be there along with Marty and McGee Porter. I know you're going to try to see if you can't catch up with those guys. Ryan McGee, of course, a former guest of the show last football season, sometime last October, I think it was, or actually September, right around the time that uh, yep. his book came out. Uh, what is the What's the book again? I actually read it and I can't. Was sidelines and blood. Sidelines and bloodlines. Yep. Really good stuff great book. there, and so yeah, great story of. All kinds of uh, all kinds of stories from him, his dad, and his brother, who have all had a, had their uh, foot in college football, all in different ways. And so, uh, I, we got to talk about our guy Kevin Kelly here in Presbyterian football uh, before we get off on this segment and hit a break. But first, I want to tell you guys about our new sponsor. We have partnered with A Plus Insurance Center in Ozark. A Plus Insurance has you covered for your home, business, auto, life, and recreational policies. Check them out on Facebook at A Plus Insurance Center. You can visit their office at 312 West Commercial Street in Ozark, Arkansas, or contact Marcus Berry at 479-667-3626. Again, that's 479-667-3626. A-plus insurance center in Ozark, Arkansas. Coach Kelly and Presbyterian College had about as good of a college debut. I guess Coach Kelly had as good of a college debut <laughs> as you could hope for. Absolutely thrashing St. Andrews Knights, 84 to 84 to 43, scoring 28 points in both the first and second quarters. And guys, so when I talked with Coach Kelly back in mid-June, when I had him on my Gridiron Icons podcast, we had talked about you know whether he was going to. I talked with him and his son Zach. Um, when it before we had recorded and, and uh, Zach is his receivers coach there and we had talked about whether they were going to take the things from PA every single thing and, and take it to college he said yeah that's absolutely what I'm going to try to do the reason why I haven't gone sooner is because I haven't had opportunities to be in control and when I get to the point in the interview when it got to okay so if I get to, down to a fourth and five fourth and ten are you going to be okay with me not punting it and me going for it? And then the ADs would kind of back off, and he essentially just didn't really get what he was asking for, and that's why he didn't move to college quicker. He didn't tell me what schools he had interviewed with, but he did confirm that that uh, that had happened. 
guys, they could have put up 100 points if they wanted to. It was 84 by – they were had 84 points on the board with like six, seven minutes left. So with yeah. them going for two, they just had to score two more touchdowns and get two more two-point conversions. They would have put up 100. Ren Hefley, Bryant's own former Michigan player, 10 touchdowns. 10 touchdowns, 38 of 50 for 538 yards. That is a record. They were all over ESPN. And look, I understand that this was not Alabama they were playing. It wasn't a very good team. But when you consider that this team has won like 15 games prior to his arrival in the last five years, he did not get a spring practice with them because he didn't even take the job until early May. I think it was May 4th, May 5th, sometime in there. He saw half of them in – july at the beginning of july he did not really get to install his offense his philosophies until august 1st so essentially about a month ago he just now got with these guys and they go out and they put up 84 points that's just kevin kelly continuing to prove people wrong as he always has they had 18 18 guys catch a pass yesterday 18 yeah. yeah, they're not ready for that in South Carolina. You know, we're going to get our boy Tyler Butler to go down there and cover a game. But, yeah, these the, the conference they play in, it's the Pioneer Conference. And and I, I said yesterday, they're, they're not ready for it. You know, you got teams like Campbell and Dayton, Davidson, Moorhead State, San Diego, Stetson, all these teams. They're going to get a good look of what this new football could be like. And I'm glad he's going to a school like Presbyterian. You know, they're willing to take a chance on a coach like him because – what do they have to lose when you go to a program like Presbyterian? What, what do you got to lose if he does say it, it's not going to happen? But say he does go five and seven, four and six, or whatever. You know they're used to those seasons. So for him to come in and put up eighty-four points in the first game, ten touchdowns by the quarterback. I mean, they even opened up with college football final on it. So I mean, that just shows you what he's already done in one game. Quarterback comes out and throws ten touchdowns, sets an FCS record in game one. That's that's crazy for Clinton, South Carolina. Yeah, no question. And it's and people are going to adapt to this. 84 points is not going to happen on a consistent basis because you're going to face better talent, and they're going to adapt. But then again, this so one thing, he. I'll say, what? So is he. Yeah, that's he'll right. That's exactly yep. it. Yeah, he'll adapt to them. And that's one thing that he's probably done maybe better than any coach in the history of, of Arkansas high school football. Maybe. No I think he's definitely yeah. up there for debate that he just out-schemes people. You look at his, a lot of his players through the years, and the, a lot of these guys didn't have any business playing offensive line or defensive line or even – I mean, even receiver. There's some of those guys that he had at receiver – that were setting state records that were having like up there with top five, top 10 nationally and receiving touchdowns. Almost all of his quarterbacks from the time that he took over in 2003 were up there in the tops. I know Lane Hatcher was first nationally. I think Stefan Lux was in top five that played around the time yeah. that I did. I played against the Stephen. thrash brothers. Yeah. The yeah, thrash brothers before him. Uh, so I played against Stefan Lux and um, Spencer Keith. Spencer Keith was a junior when I was a senior and he ended up playing at Kent state. I don't know if he played there all four years but and Stephen Lux went to Texas Tech and I think he finished at North Alabama and then you had Braden Bratcher I think that broke all their records after Lane Hatch I mean it, it is just phenomenal what he did at PA I mean nothing short I couldn't when I was putting the stuff together for his episode I had to cut out so much stuff because it would have been three or four hours it, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not even joking and it lasted about you know I don't know 50 50 minutes to an hour but 
Nonetheless, congrats to Coach Kelly, a great guy. Uh, I'll tell you what, extremely misunderstood. Uh, you know, he comes across as extremely arrogant, and he'll tell you that some things he says might be, but that guy, he, he's truly a genuine human being. Uh, he didn't have to give me time. Of, I mean, we've met before, you know, when I was in high school and kind of talked a little bit over through the years, but that guy's got so much going on. He didn't ha- he didn't have to take time out of his moving process and all that he had going on, but he did, and that's just the kind of guy he is. He really is a genuine human being, and uh, – Certainly wishing nothing but the best. But uh, but we're up against a break here. And, again, guys, if uh, you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the pod. Up next, we have Barry Grooms of Hooten's Arkansas Football. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast, and the Buzz Radio Network. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode 212 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland and Porter Hayes here with you, and we go now to the Workman's Travel Center Hotline where we are joined by Barry Grooms of Hooten's Arkansas Football. Bear, appreciate you joining us. Uh, let's hope in terms of connection this goes a little bit better than the Ortho-Arkansas postgame show this past Friday night. I can imagine <laughs> y'all had some very irate uh, callers who typically do call in, but uh, some that were just trying to get their word in that weren't able to. Yeah, it's always bad when your phone lines go down. You're in a talk show. <laughs> <laughs> no question about that. And uh, a lot of great games through, I guess, two weeks now. We've had week zero and then week one. Uh, none of us really still know what uh, week zero means. But nonetheless, I always say it's just good to have football back. And, Bear, I'm going to touch first on, you know, we all knew that Bryant was probably still going to be the top team in the state. We weren't really sure if it was going to take time for them to click. Uh, I know for people like myself that saw them in the scrimmage game, I was not really sure how they were going to look against Benton. Uh, you know, they seem to be at least a little bit more experienced, but there's no question that Brian is going to continue to churn out talent. And Chris Ganaway, I don't know that I have seen somebody come onto the scene as quickly as he has. He's gotten a couple, I think it was two or three D1 offers over the past week between uh, his his uh, game that he had against Benton in the Salt Bowl and then the dominant performance that he had uh, the other night against Marion. But, uh, you know, him, my Torian Singleton, who is a sophomore this year, and then Chris being a junior, that just goes to show. And there's plenty of other guys that you can talk about. And Carson Burnett might not quite be Austin Ledbetter, but nonetheless, this Bryant team through two games is rolling just like they typically are. Oh, they are. And, and what is surprising is the offense is clicking along as good as it, as it is. And I guess we, we can attribute that to the offensive line. Everybody has said for who saw Bryant over the summer, this is a college-like offensive line. And, and you guys know you put inexperienced backs behind a veteran line like this, and, and it paid dividends, and it is so far. We've come to know Bryant as, as having good defense. And the thing that stood out in the Salt Bowl and even last week 
Coach James says he went three deep in the first half of these games on defense. There's nobody else in the state playing 33 different players on defense during the first half of a ball game, but the Bryant Hornets. And they're doing so at a high level, keeping guys from getting fatigued, just uh, beating up on opponents. And look for that to continue all year long. And the depth he's developing right now is pretty invaluable. And Barry, I kind of want to ask you, you know, through two weeks, you know, who's been some surprise teams that's really come up and, you know, got some upset wins or just had it all together early on in the season? Yeah, there's a couple of surprises, some of them good, some of them bad. But uh, uh, one of those surprises has to be North Little Rock, the way the Charging Wildcats looked on Friday night, knocking off Harbor, uh, turned a close game into a rout late with that depth and, and the ability to, to run the ball. And Coach Sandifer had said all along, there's some talent on this team, but these guys have not played varsity football before. Uh, been just JV guys. Very impressed with the way they've, they've handled the whole situation from – uh, I mean, and let's admit it, guys, the, the hiring process at North Little Rock took a lot longer than anybody wanted it to uh, for, for various reasons. And the program could have been in shambles. And Coach Sandifer and his entire staff have done a terrific job of just picking up that program and, and not missing a beat from where they left off a year ago. Uh, not, another real surprise in Class 2A has to be McCrory. We thought the Jaguars would be pretty good. Uh, they're outstanding. Physically, they have the looks of a team that contend for a two-way state championship. Uh, how quickly they come together on offense is going to be the key. Defensively, they've got all the pieces. They played masterfully through the first couple of weeks and played great against Desert Friday night. Uh, I think they're the surprise in, in two-way. and I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see that little uh, area of McCrory Hazen, Desark, all three of those teams. Uh, I mean, there's, what, 20 miles separating all those towns? And I wouldn't be surprised to see those three playing in at least the quarterfinals, if not the semifinals. You talked about McCrory and North Little Rock there. We'll start with McCrory and, Cl and Clarendon, the 2A game of the week. And then, of course, uh, North Little Rock will travel to Fayetteville to play the, the Purple Dogs. And North Little Rock beat them last year. I think it was the first time in over – around 10 to 15 years you might have to help me with there i can't remember exactly mm -hmm. the time frame but it had been a while and jr eldridge there at the time uh beat his alma mater at fayette or at north little rock fayetteville coming there but again they go to fayetteville this coming friday we'll start with the the game with clarendon and mccrory there of course you've got dax courtney and you've got quincy mcadoo there two razorback commits uh, what do you think mccrory's going to do against uh, those two guys and, and clarendon I think from what we've seen the first couple of weeks, McCrory is going to throw up a, a pretty good defensive plan. Their linebackers play at a fast pace. Now, last year we were at this game and were able to see Quincy McAdoo get separation on the McCrory players. That's what stands out about Quincy. And, you know, if, if he can do so again and get some deep balls and, and put some distance between him and uh, opponents, yeah, they'll win this game. The guys, McCrory physically has the look. I don't know offensively how much they have, but that game the other night with Clarendon uh, and, and Barton was a little closer than most thought it, it could have been. And uh, I think both teams, this is a big proving ground for both teams. And see McCrory possibly getting a little bit of an edge simply because they've already played two games and they've got some defense defensive savviness about them. 
Yeah, speaking of Barton, I really hope that uh, – I, I think that Spencer Adams is going to get it turned around there. I think that Barton's on about an 18-game losing streak right now. And I had his dad, uh, Mike Adams, featured on one of my episodes of the High School Coaches podcast I do, and Spencer helped me with that. And I got to know him pretty well, and, and I'm really rooting for him to uh, turn around such a legendary program at Barton. But going back to North Little Rock, I mean, what do you what do you think about that matchup? Obviously, Fayetteville seems to be a little bit – I know they lost this past Friday, but looked pretty good against Conway. And, and I know that you and I had talked previously, and, and I had mentioned to you that, you know, Casey Dent, I think the whole state would agree that there is a lot of pressure on Casey Dick to win this year because he hasn't done so well in the first two seasons there at Fayetteville. And so, you know, what do you think about this game with, with a, a very surprising North Little Rock team and a Fayetteville team that, that has a ton of pressure on them? Well, rightfully so. This is going to be the marquee game in the state this week. As you said, Fayetteville, <clears throat> talent-wise, we think at least early in the season going to be able to match up with about anybody in the state. They got to put it all together. They lost to Owasso, Oklahoma. It's not bad. You know what Owasso's done. They won a state title two years ago, made it to the quarters last season. And, and the way they beat Conway, and then for Conway to come back and beat Bentonville, I think that really bodes well for Fayetteville. North Little Rock, conversely, that, that running attack, strong defense that they play. Matches up pretty well, and it's going to cause some matchup issues for the Purple Dogs. Man, you gotta you gotta give Fayetteville a slight edge at this point, at least, just based on explosion on offense and and what we think they're capable of on defense. They they still have some pieces to put together on that defensive line, uh, and they get those issues solved. We're looking at a team that that can make a run at a state championship this year. And Mary, I want to jump down to the last week's four A three game of the week, uh, Ozark and Boonville. Just how surprised were you in the outcome? I happened to be at the game, and it was just total domination from start to finish. And I know Ozark the week earlier struggled with only ninety eight yards of offense against Clarksville, and somehow got the win. But you know what's going on with Ozark and their struggles, and they got a week off, and then they got to play a Charleston team who's getting three of their players back for their the game next week. Well, that's, and that's big if you're Coach Burns. I know you've got to solve some issues. And, uh, boy, he's had his offensive line was clicking in the, in the uh, preseason. Really thought this was going to be a team that was going to be able to come out with Eli Massengale running the ball and, and just control the clock and really dominate opponents. It hadn't quite turned out that way. I look for Coach Burns, based on what we've seen over the past few years, uh, to get a few guys healthy move a few guys in different positions over this bye week and really have his team refocused. Now, that's kind of been the M.O. of, of Ozark football the past couple of years. And saw him last year against Stuttgart in the quarterfinals. Could have easily won that game. So, I wouldn't hit the panic button yet if I'm a Hillbilly fan, but there is some caution there. Boy, conversely, Boonville, absolute, as you said, domination. But, Porter, it wasn't just this this past week. It started – by holding Charleston to 34 yards in that preseason scrimmage game. And uh, some people from Boonville told me that is the best they've ever seen Boonville play in a scrimmage game. It should have opened our eyes to, to everybody else to say, uh-oh, this is a special team. I think Boonville is inching its way up closer uh, to the top of the heap in three. I really, I think it's Boonville, Prescott, and Harding Academy right now really standing out in 3A as far as playing great football. Yeah, and you're, you're talking about Randon Ray and, and Dax Goff. I mean, that one-two punch. And if yeah. Boonville could ever get rid of the Rays, they might 
dropped <laughs> down a little bit in talent, but it seems like even when I played back in 2000, Gatorade was playing. So, Gator, yeah. You know, they outrushed Ozark 448 to 134. I mean, we were talking about total domination, and it was just amazing. And the whole, you know, Ozark scored – I think in the post-game show, I heard you saying Ozark scored the only touchdown and and against the first-string defense. But I think at that point, the it was thirty-four-six. So I think yes. the game yeah. was out of hand. So, but yeah, it was just I'm, I'm an Ozark guy, so I'm not used to seeing an Ozark Boonville game with that outcome. Whether it's Ozark wins big or Boonville, it's always been a battle. And for oh, that yeah. game to come out like that, it was very surprising to me. And I think it like like we said earlier, it's more indicative of what Boonville is going to be capable of, of doing this season. I, 3A is shaping up. In the past, we've kind of been hard on 3A because it hadn't been as competitive top to bottom. It looks to be really good this season uh, overall, which, which is great. That's great for the state and, and high school footballs to have more teams competitive and competing for state title. Talking with Barry Grooms from Hootons, Arkansas Football. And, Barry, I wanted to talk about two shocking games, that uh, two in particular. The first being uh, the Sheridan, you know, your Yellow Jackets, I know you're an alum of there, beating Lakeside 24-7. to Now, I know Lakeside is a team that people were pretty high on. I think, actually, you guys had them at six, at six or seven. Number five. Number five, Number yeah, five. a top-five team. And Sheridan just looked awful in their first game. Now, I know that they, you know, historically really haven't been that great since the Don. They've had some years here and there, but really since the, the Don Campbell days that they were consistent. Uh, what happened in this one? When I saw this, I was at the PA Madison Ridgeland game, and I told everybody in the press box and they thought I was lying. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shame you know Sheridan by any means, but it's no secret that they have struggled, and that was extremely shocking to see that, especially that big of a deficit by by three touchdowns. Yeah, you, you look at what happened the week before, and, and yeah, Sheridan had what, 77 yards offense, 74 yards of penalties against Whitehall, and Whitehall comes out and what they do to Warren was pretty impressive so uh you start piecing all that together and and it's not quite as as puzzling as it seems sheridan played good defense they switched to a three four front really had uh, lake hamilton off balance they've got a great set of linebackers led by austin webb um you know, they're still moving people around their second leading tackler from last year uh feimster towards ACL a week before the Saturday, I think, before the season started the next Friday. And, and that kind of sent them in a little bit of a tailspin defensively for that uh, Whitehall game. But they bounced back nicely, played great defense, think they're going to continue to do so. Owen uh, Meyer had a big game running the ball for them. I look for Sheridan to be able, based on what we saw last week, if they continue progressing, to win three to four or five games this year and another surprise game since we're on that topic you know we got to bring up the riverview cac game i mean i remember on the radio we we're trying oh. to get clarification one way or the other what the score was if cac was up 41 7 or riverview but you know <laughs> come through that riverview 141 7 so just just what was your thoughts about that game absolute uh, stunning that it happened in that fashion because CACs had to make some changes, and CAC uh, had to put an all-state running back, Tyler Williams, had to move him to quarterback. But that that's not – they didn't give up 41 points because Tyler Williams having to move, change positions. Uh, Riverview absolutely came out, dominated this game. And Coach Shoemaker, they were right there in it, driving for a touchdown, turned the ball over, and he says one turnover hurt this team. Mentally, they could not bounce back from it. 
Yeah, that is the shocker in the state. Now, let's look at what Riverview has been able to do in just the brief time that uh, Coach Keelan has been there. They've they played okay against Boxsite League Zero. I think we're we're going to see a team able to compete in the uh, 2-3A this year. Not, not for a conference title, but I think we're going to see them compete for that fourth or fifth playoff spot based on last week's performance. Yeah, and I got to add in with CAC there since they, I am an alum of there. I, I will uh, say that it's going to be a long year, but they've got some bear. I'm sure you know they've got some studs in that ninth grade class, particularly at quarterback, a yes. couple at wide receiver. Joe Adams, which was a teammate of mine at CAC, um, which some listeners know we graduated together and uh, still keep in contact to an ex- a little bit here and there. And I actually saw him at a football camp at the beginning of August, and uh, he, he told me that they might have some rebuilding this year. But, yeah, 2023, 2024 uh, – or, or, yeah, 2023 and 24, mm-hmm. that was what he was referring to. That, that's when it's going to be uh, probably pretty good for the Mustangs, probably up to 2025. So I hope they make a comeback. You know, Tommy Shoemaker has had some pretty good years since he's been there, um, since he took over for Tim Perry. But, uh, but yeah, it, it could definitely be a, uh, a tough year for the Mustangs there. And let's go back to Whitehall and Warren. Now, last week the Shockers were Junction City losing 39 to nothing to Camden Harmony Grove, Nashville losing I think it was 59 to nothing to Pleasant Grove, Texas. Now, that is not to take anything away from Pleasant Grove. They're a fantastic football program down there in the Texarkana area. Camden Harmony Grove, I know, is a pretty good team this year, and Whitehall seems to be pretty dang good too, you know, Barry. I know you're very high on Warren this year. You had mentioned that this might be the most complete team that Bohem has ever had put together in his 20 plus years at the school did they now again not take anything away from Whitehall but did Warren maybe have some players that you think they just had a bad game did Bobby Bolding out scheme Hembry what what happened in that one several several factors play into this uh and Warren came into it relatively healthy it's a close ball game early on and Whitehall just kind of blows it out there late in the second quarter and early third quarter. The depth did play a key role. The quarterback for Warren threw three interceptions, Riley Cornish. I think you have to give him a a pass on that one. Last year in the first quarter, or first half rather, of the season opener against uh, Whitehall, he tore his ACL. He was out for the year. So that's his first complete game. Uh, that he played in 22 months. So he was very rusty in that game. Warren's very talented, or Whitehall is very talented offensively. We talk about Zaire Green, how good they are. Coach Bolding has gone on record as saying, with, with the addition of these sophomore linemen that he's got, physically, this is the strongest team he's ever coached. And that's without really these sophomores ever hitting the weight room with him. And they're a stud class. He's got his eyeballs on for a a championship in a couple of years. But right now, I don't think you discount Whitehall from having a say in the outcome of class 5A and that 5A Central with Whitehall's emergence and domination the first two weeks. You don't want to play in the 5A Central. It's so dominant and so top-heavy right now with PA, Little Rock Christian, uh, and, and Whitehall. And, and Maumel, for that fact, I mean, you got some really good teams in the Central. 
Yeah, Whitehall, they've got the bowling bowl next week at War Memorial Stadium. They play against Parkview. Going to be interesting to see those linemen battles there. Parkview's got a very good offensive line as well. I really like – I'm not sure how much you've looked at Alex Martin, the sophomore defensive tackle that had a scoop and score against Southwest last week. Very excited about him. I think he's going to be a very highly recruited defensive lineman for the Patriots there. And it doesn't get any easier for Warren playing Stuttgart next week, Uh, one of the tougher teams in 4A. And talking about Mel, they came off a last-second overtime loss, 47-44 to against Robinson. So Robinson definitely bounced back. Maumel had a game. Uh, I don't want to say that Sylvan Hills necessarily gave it to him, but I will say that uh, Maumel took advantage of some of the gifts that Sylvan Hills gave to him. What do you think of Maumel after this? Now, I mean, they've got Roderick Watts, fantastic wide receiver, but showing that he is one of the best in 5A. Obviously, they've got Nico Davile. They've got Andrew Chambly, Jalen Waits, and his season debut did pretty well at running back rushing for a buck 50 what do you think of Maumel after that performance I mean I guess it wasn't necessarily a bad performance particularly offensively but Robinson looked so bad in their opener and they were able to come back like this you know what does that say about Maumel two games in you know Maumel faced uh two weeks ago against Sylvan Hills they had a chance to quit and they did not to their credit they did not quit Sylvan Hills handed them some things and Maumel took advantage of it and really built on it Last week, when they got up by 20 points against uh, Robinson, I'm not going to say they quit, but I think the players backed off a little bit. I think they can grow and learn out of this. If not, then that was not a good loss for Maumel. Coach Horton has to turn it into a positive because at this point, uh, losing a game like they did uh, by three points in overtime after leading by three touchdowns with you know, in the fourth quarter, that, that can wreck your your season. So they got to keep it from doing that. They've got the talent. The talent has been there. Um, as you said, I mean, nobody in the state has offensive in, in 5A football. has got D1 offensive linemen, D1 and D1 defensive linemen on the same team. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So Maumel's got the talent, but mentally they have to overcome some hurdles. And I know that's the battle that Coach Horton says he's been fighting for, for a few years. They've got to learn to handle adversity, and we'll see over the next few weeks uh, how the Hornets bounce back. What can you say about PA? Uh, you know, I was at the game, as I mentioned a second ago, against Madison Ridgeland, a very respectable football team out of Mississippi. They've got a linebacker, Stone Blanton, who's committed to play baseball at the defending national champions, Mississippi State. Also has multiple SEC football offers, including Arkansas. Davis Dalton, a uh, receiver for them, is committed to Southern Miss. I mean, they've got some players. And they've also, I think that uh, the private schools and the public schools are split in Mississippi, but nonetheless, they've been to six of the last seven state championships won the last two so they've they're a very decorated program and they came in and they did some good things but pa pretty much just took them to the woodshed particularly offensively i've seen a lot of great stuff from joe hyman you both have heard me say on a, on multiple occasions that he's the best player in the state in my opinion i've never seen him do the things that he did the other night to that team particularly on that 94 yard run down the left sideline what can you say about pa right now i mean i they're looking better offensively and i know last year they were in a two quarterback system but they're looking better offensively to me even light years than they were last year in a lot of phases oh i think that's an accurate statement right now offensively uh, they are clicking along and i think that's due to the uh when you're older, Joe Hyman, the seasoned quarterback there in Charlie Pfizer, Baker's emergence at, at receiver, decent offensive line play. I think PA offensively, I don't know who can touch them in this state. 
And I think defensively, they're going to get better as the season goes on. I know they will. They're still looking for guys to replace Johnson and Shinkawa in that uh, the back end of that defense. Once they get those positions solidified, I don't know if anybody in five A that that's going to touch them. Uh, really don't the way they've they've shown the first two weeks. And with the program like PA, I mean, how much they've been rolling and dominating their classification. Just anytime you get to that level of play, you're looking for any kind of motivation. And I think, you know, with Coach Kelly stepping down and Lucas taking over, some of the teams were hoping that they'd fall off. And do you think that added some motivation to Hyman and the rest of the squad to prove that they're the same team with, with a different coach? Oh, I, I think it sure did. They Everybody said, hey, it was Kevin Kelly that won these championships. And these seniors have to step forward and say, no, I think we had a little something to do with it. This is a great senior class at PA. And it, they're the reason. I mean, this senior class is is the reason they're picked by everybody to win a state championship. These are really good players and uh, really good leaders, not just players, but really good leaders. And, and the program had missed a beat yet. Now, I don't think they, they will miss a beat. And, uh Sad, you know, that's sad for the rest of 5A. I know there's a lot of teams that had hoped that, that PA would come back to the pack a little bit, but th- through the first couple of weeks, that does not appear th- to be the case. Yeah, and they still got two. They've they've been 5-1 and one in their last six games against out-of-state competition. They go to, I think it is, uh, is, it, Lipscomb, is it Lipscomb Academy this week Lipscomb. in Nashville? I, I should yep. yeah I should know that because I've been I've covered them heavily through the first two weeks been to both of their games should have known that and then Liberty Argyle uh, coached by Jason Witten Cowboys great there on October first when they travel to Texas and so and Bear just uh, real quick here before we get out of here I know that Lake Hamilton's got a game with Malvern this week Lake Hamilton obviously a six A favorite and a lot of people are very high on Malvern there out of the seven four A do you think that Malvern can I know that uh, the game with Glenn Rose was a little bit closer than some people thought it would be but in rivalry games like that you just never know despite what records or despite what the talent may look like on paper do you think that Malvern can hang hang with uh Lake Hamilton uh for three quarters I definitely do but uh Malvern's having to play about six or seven sophomores on each side of the ball and that that's going to catch up with them Hamilton's two seasoned of a team Hamilton's running backs are great offensive line uh, among the best in, in football, and they'll wear, uh, wear the Leopards down. Still think the Leopards, you know, Malvern Leopards are a team to be reckoned with in Class 4A, and uh, they may be a year or two away from being recognized as one of the top teams in 4A, but uh, I think they're one of the top 10 definitely at this moment. And future does look bright with Cedric Simmons at quarterback. And finally, uh, the game that uh, Rocktown, the, who I covered high school football with for, we will be at Cabot and El Dorado. Scott Reed, of course, went down there to his former team last year and beat them. Now they welcome the Wildcats uh, to Cabot. I know El Dorado's got some talent, and they won a last – pretty much came down to the final play against Camden Fairview. I really like what they have at receiver. DeAndre Burns, Jackie Washington, I like some of the pieces that they have on defense, but – do you think the Wildcats can hang with Cabot right now, who just seems to be one of the machines in this state? Skill position-wise, I think they they can match up pretty well. But I, offensive, defensive lines, they don't they don't roll in what Cabot does. Cabot goes too deep on that D line. They've got two D two potential college prospects playing on that D line, and that'll be just way too much for. Uh, El Dorado to overcome. I think Cabot may have one of the better D-lines in the entire state. So, uh, 
Yeah, Cabot, Cabot uh, should win the game. And I'm not going to say it's not going to be a problem, though, because El Dorado's definitely talented and had every chance last week to lose to Camden Fairview and found a way to win the game. This time last year, there was a lot of people scratching their heads about El Dorado and as the season progressed. Really, Coach Jones caught some heat. Then they all of a sudden turned it around and really hadn't looked back. Uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of coaches in the East this spring, this past spring, who felt that El Dorado was the surprise team in 6A this season, that they're going to really put together a, a nice run in October, November. We've been talking with Barry Grooms of Hootons, Arkansas Football. And, Barry, appreciate your time as always. And I'm sure we'll be catching up with you uh, here down the road as the season uh, continues to go on. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And thank you all again for joining us on the Hog Talk Podcast presented by Bet Online. Remember, we are back to our back old to. schedule. So we will be back with you on Friday previewing the Texas game. Until then, stay safe, stay cool, and go Hogs. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.